family, good morning. Welcome to our online gathering this weekend. We are shut down for one more weekend and we'll be back together next weekend, January 31st. I appreciate all of your patience. I know that uh, it's inconvenient for all of us, but we really want to honor safety first and the protocols that our county has laid out. We wanna walk in concert with those. So we're gonna do our gathering a little different, obviously, because we don't get to come together and worship, but we will next weekend. So today we're just gonna dig in and study the scriptures together. I wanna pick up where we left off on our last weekend's gathering, which is in chapter four of James. If you have your Bibles, would you grab those? And let's take a look at chapter four. I wanna pick up in verse 11, which is where we looked last weekend, because I want us to always make sure we're catching context and we're understanding what's being said together in series. Don't speak evil against each other, my dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize each other and condemn each other, then you are criticizing and condemning God's law. But you are not a judge who can decide whether the law is right or wrong. Your job is to obey it. God alone has made the law, and he can rightly judge among us. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So, what right do you have to condemn your neighbor? In a really strong passage, the question of what right do you have, it's an interesting word because James is actually asking a, a legal question. Is it yours to do? Do you have the authority to do it? What I see in that that I didn't see last weekend is just because I see the things and I understand the things that I want to call out or judge in someone, I have not been granted the authority by my father to act on those. We did an exercise where I, I just asked you guys to shout out in, that we're in the room, some words that are synonymous with judge and criticize. I wanna see if we knew what it meant to condemn. In about 30 seconds, we had a healthy list of things that were synonyms of that. And what that showed me and what it showed us was we clearly know what James is talking about. We know the things he's saying to not do. We're just not, I'm not sure we know to not do them. It reminded me of a teaching that Bill Johnson gave about 10 years ago. I, I, was, I used to get on my road bike and throw on a couple Bill Johnson podcasts and just go ride. And it was just my time to get alone and, and be fed by an outside teacher. And um, he taught on the wheat and tares out of a parable that Jesus talks about, which really deals with this same concept about judging others. Jesus' concept was really more about the growth pattern saying, look, as these things grow, you're not going to know which one's which. Leave that to me. I will know. In Bill's teaching, he challenged that idea and said, look, we need to trust the Holy Spirit to do that work. Our job is to love people, to nurture people, to grow people. I know this could come off as, so it's just all peace and love. Love offers into another person's life what they need. Sometimes that might be a, a strong word that encourages them towards the right things. But love is never rooted in a condemning, judging, cutting way. Love is always rooted in building. And I think that's the issue. This, this, there's the tearing down and the building. And we are not to be people that tear down. We are to be people that build. Isn't it ironic, though, that in our, in our humanity and in our sin nature, it's actually the tearing down that comes far more naturally. The building up has to be learned. I would suggest it has to be learned by the Holy Spirit. 
So if I take a look at all this that James is teaching in, in, the, in chapter three through four, even into five, there's one word that I think comes to mind that he's really kind of dealing with in the people of God. Remember, he's not teaching humanity, he's teaching the church. What I think he's dealing with is arrogance. Because he begins to, st- to step into that idea in chapter three by challenging our belief set that we can just lean into our own skill, our own wisdom, make our own way. And all of the wisdoms that he talks about really are how we deal with people. The tendency to want to kind of get our, get our own way, do what's best for us. And he, and he gives this different list, which is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy, good deeds. He gives us this list and says, you are to lay down that list that comes native and pick up this list that God will give. In fact, to pick up this other list and refuse the Lord's is arrogant because it makes what that means is you believe your skill set's better than the one God is offering. And then he challenges the way we view people, which is what we looked at last week. He says it's arrogant to judge and condemn. Why? Because it places us in God's will. I was thinking about that this week. One of the fundamental things about what we learn theologically about the enemy in Scripture is that he wanted to be like God. It was in his heart to sit in God's role. Let's put it that way. Perhaps that same nature in us is rooted in our sin nature. That when we step into this condemning, judging attitude towards others, what we're really doing is partnering with our sin nature instead of learning to align with the new man that's in us. So James will move on and we're going to pick that up right here in chapter chapter 4 verse 13. He moves on to itemize just one more arrogance I want to look at. He says, look here, you people who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We'll do business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to do this, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you will be boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. There's a phrase here, look here, which is a call to attention. Um, Maybe you've been out hiking before and Someone sees something off the trail and they're like, hey, look. And that's all, that's all James is saying. He's, co- he's commanding attention. I think to his congregation, this might be a phrase James uses a lot. What it means is I'm going to call something out. The question he calls it is how do you know? And what he's challenging is something I think we already know to be true. We don't really know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no control over it. But I think he's calling out more than that. I think he's calling out a belief that gets rooted in us as people. And that we lean into this belief through arrogance that our lives and our journey are merely the sum of our chosen pursuits where we set our our eyes and our abilities to accomplish those things. It's on us. It's on the strength of our back. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do with my life. James says, wait, 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 time out. 
Your futures, your finances, your journey, those aren't yours to determine. And he goes on and says, your life actually, it's like the morning fog. It's, it's here a little while and then it's gone. I was reading through this and instantly I was brought back to a pier in San Diego. Uh, we were on vacation there several years back. My, my sons and my wife and I, my youngest son was three at the time and just a little guy. And so the majority of the world was still fresh to him. Uh, he was in awe of palm trees and, and, and their size. And coming from Colorado, that's not hard to figure out because the trees here, don't, they don't get as tall as they do on the West Coast. We got up one of the mornings before we were going to go to SeaWorld and I walked to Starbucks and grabbed a cup of coffee and him and I just took a walk out to the pier and we're holding hands and we're standing there looking at the ocean because we don't get to do that much in Colorado. And, and he just, in his very broken English at three and his, his young dialect says, Dad, I want to live where, where the smoke is. And he, he didn't know what to call it. it was, he was looking at fog. He was looking at that, that marine layer. And, and he, he kind of fell in love with what was going on there. And it was, it was no more than about an hour. And the sun had come out. And that fog was gone. It had dissipated. And that's what James says about our life. That it can feel so substantial and so real. But really it's a vapor and it's going to pass quickly. I think we're frail as people, more than we want to admit. I know for me this week, being in quarantine and wrestling with being sick, I was reminded fresh how frail I am. And I didn't like it. I found myself rearranging my whole universe, my whole schedule. I found myself rearranging potential trips. I found everything kind of ground to a halt. And it was just a fresh reminder. I'm really not in control. But if I embrace that frailty, what it's going to cause me to do is to step a little more humbly. Never arrogantly. Instead, I'm going to submit my life to the Father and invite Him to cover me and govern my steps. Protect me. And when I do that, I naturally would come under His protection. And this is what James will pick up and say, what I want you to do or what you ought to say is, hey, if the Lord wants us to, we'll do this or we'll do that. And he gives us the right posture to live in. Not a posture of brazen arrogance, but a posture of surrender. And it doesn't mean we don't plan. It doesn't mean we go comatose. It doesn't mean we become fearful of of moving through life and planning things. Not at all. It means we learn to live in an intimate relationship with his will. I love this phrase. If the Lord wants us to do it, we will live and do this or that. The root word in the Greek for will here is to have in mind or desire. It means if it's what's in the heart of the Lord, it's what we want. And James is just advocating to us as the church that we learn to live with our plans fully surrendered to the desires of the Lord. I think there's three things that came to mind for me with that. One, we pursue what we know are his desires. I think we've been talking about that a lot. That comes back to just living in the scripture. It comes back to studying the text to know what what the Lord wants. What is his desire? That's called the fear of the Lord. And so we pursue this and we learn it and we get to know it. We make it our responsibility to study it. I, I would just advocate that over and over again. New year, new season. Pastor Gary talks about it all the time. Just 15 minutes in the scripture every day. Just make that discipline happen. 
I don't have time. Yes, you do. We all have time. And I, I get that there are things that come up that rob that time. I'd love to suggest that your enemy wants, wants nothing less for you. So one of the greatest spiritual warfares you could ever do is to discipline yourself to spend some time with the Lord every day. You will create a covering around your life and around those you're connected to just by being with the Lord daily in the text face to face. The second thing I see is not only do we pursue what we know are his desires, but we submit our desires to his purposes. What do you mean? It means I live with this mindset. Lord, this is what's in my heart. I give it to you and I trust you with it. Which leads us naturally to the third one. We learn to get his voice on matters. I don't just randomly go, all right, Lord, here's my plans. I give them to you. If they come about, it's cool. No, for me, I sit with the Lord. Hey, this is what's in my heart. Are you in this? Do you want me to pursue this? There's always going to be a faith element to trusting the process that he's going to make all things work together. Even when the Lord says, hey, this is what I want, I still get to walk through the journey. In the building we've been in, this, this building journey for the 1501 building, the Lord early spoke to me, stay the course, keep going after it. That's all he said was just this tiny little, it was like breadcrumbs on a trail, keep going. And I've, I've had to have my faith built to, to follow the Lord in that. You're going to have the same thing. You're going to have moments where the Lord says, I want you to invest this money, or I want you to pursue this job, or I want you to give something to this person, or, or I want you to shape, reshape the way you handle your children. Whatever it is, he's going to give you ideas. You still have to live them out. But learning to get his voice on the matter is so fundamental. I think for me, it's the one that we need to grow in most both in vintage and in the church at large. I see so many people shortchanging the voice of God in their life. And they'll come up with excuses like, oh, it's too hard. I sit there and I just don't hear anything. I've shared so much about this, but I, I, I want to add one idea. I think the biggest thing that short circuits our process of learning to live with the voice of the Lord is fear. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, the first response pattern of fallen humanity was to hide from God. You hide because you're afraid. And I think we still do that. I think we fail to bring our lives and our desires and purposes before the Lord and ask Him to speak into them because we're afraid. It's not that we're afraid He won't speak. I think at times we're afraid of what He will speak. I think we're afraid that he, he won't want for us what we want. And so there's this thing in us that says, as long as I don't submit it, it's mine. James just says, that's craziness. That is sin. I think that fear leads us to arrogance because it makes me believe I know what's best for me. And then I'm better off pursuing my way than submitting my life to his plan. I had a, um, I was thinking about this and I'm not a huge fan of using my life stories when I teach because I think that um, my goal is always that the scriptures be the focus. But I, as I was teaching through this, I kept thinking through uh, my own journey with this idea and I probably have wrestled most of my life with a fear that the Lord will take away the things that, that I want and love. And so learning to trust his voice has been a journey. 
And I remember being in a moment where I had determined the girl I wanted to spend my life with. And I remember praying this to the Lord. I don't care what you want for me in this moment. This is what I want. I looked back on it and what brazen arrogance out of a young man. I also see what insane kindness out of the king of glory who would have would have been very justified to have sent lightning at that moment and said, you're not going to talk to me like that. 10, 12 years later, I sat with him and said, I'm, I'm sorry for that moment because the, we've become closer and I just am embarrassed at that. And he shared something with me in that moment that was incredible. He said, I'm sad about that moment, but not for the reasons you think. I'm sad because you moved into that journey without knowing my heart for you. So you did it alone. And I realized in that moment, I had gotten really lucky and stepped into the right path, but I did it with an arrogance and a brazenness because I didn't trust his voice. And I robbed myself of peace. Could I submit to you that the voice of the Lord brings peace on your process? That he brings into our lives in an awareness of who he is, his hand with us, his arms with us, he's walking with us in the journey. We go after things differently because we're confident. We're like the kid on the playground who thinks he's really strong because he's got his 15-year-old brother standing behind him. That's the thing he wants for us. And we've got to push past that native sin nature arrogance that says, I don't want to know what he wants because I'm afraid he might not want what I want. And just bite the bullet and trust. All his plans for us are good, pleasing, and perfect. I love you guys. I'm excited to be together. Study the scriptures again next week. Have a great week.